Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And a welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys can be with me here on this Tuesday. It's basically a Thursday for me. Tomorrow's my last day of the week. I got my brother-in-law's bachelor party coming up this weekend. Heading out to Colorado Springs, getting myself all ready for that. I did decide I'm taking my golf clubs, by the way. I, it was a debate. I'm flying uh, an airline that lets bags fly free, so basically it was a no-brainer after that. Once I chose, I'm not, I'm not loyal to an airline. So once I figure out what whichever one has the best deal, it's one of the ones that has the bags fly free. Then the golf clubs are coming with. I knew I was going to be golfing. I just thought I might have to rent them. Now I've decided that they're coming with. But I got, I, I'm trying to figure out this whole entire trip. I, I went earlier today. I, I took my newborn out with me. I had that. Uh, the little, I don't know, what do you call it? The thing that makes you look like you're the dude from The Hangover, where you just put the baby into it, and then it just kind of, I don't know, for some reason it accentuates your belly in a massive way, but it makes you feel it makes you feel out of shape when you do it, too. You have, like, the belly sticking out, but then, like, the baby's right on top of you. And I was out, and I'm trying to get new clothes, trying to figure things out for that, which is a very dangerous mistake because I'm in the process of losing some weight. So you're buying these clothes that might not fit you, I don't know, a month and a half from now if things go right. It's really a dangerous bet when you buy clothes for yourself when you're in the process of thinking that you're going to lose weight. It's like, can I, can I bet against myself harder here? I'm buying the clothes as if I bought them today, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll, I'll be right on that end. But if it does work out, these clothes are going to be useless in six weeks. I'm getting myself all ready. And uh, basically, it was a nice day, really nice day. The weather was nice. Overall, just good vibes everywhere. Feels like everyone wants to talk about the Titanic search, all these different type of things, but it's out of that good vibes everywhere. And uh, let's get rolling here. Let's get rolling on a nice Tuesday. I got a couple different thoughts in regards to Ross Tucker's interview, and that's how we're going to start off this thing, mainly because Ross made one of the points that I love the most when it comes to this Browns offseason. Ross made the point And he used the DeAndre Hopkins discussion to get into it. That's fine. I'm going to knock down that in a little bit. That's okay. But Ross was making the point about Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski potentially being fired and how you got to push all the chips in the middle of the table, essentially, because if you don't, this could be your last year. And I was thinking about that. And don't worry, we'll play what Ross had to say for you guys coming up in a little bit. I don't want you guys to get distracted by DeAndre Hopkins and that side of the story. So hang on to that for a second. Hang on to that thought. But I love where this Browns team is at. Is it possible that Andrew Barry and company looked back at it and said, yeah, it's as good as we could do? There's a reason why they went out and got Zedaria Smith, a big-time splash, when people thought a trade could happen, but it wasn't everyone's bingo card. A lot of people had thought they'd close shop on that. But people are acting like they've been sitting around uh, playing patty cake all offseason. They've made so many moves. They fired a defensive coordinator and the special teams coach. They traded for Elijah Moore. They fixed the defensive line to a spot where it's going to be a million times better than last year. They didn't sit around doing nothing. I mean, Andrew Barry has taken the proverbial chair to the spine of the AFC North. 
it just doesn't seem as impressive to a lot of people, I think, because if you look around the rest of the AFC, the league is making moves every two seconds. It's been one of the busiest off-seasons I can remember. The NFL trade deadline is a thing, but the off-season free agency was it was electric. It's an electric, nonstop content factory machine. It was crazy. It overshadowed, in my estimation, the draft. And this version of the NFL is constant, and it's always evolving. And it might not be the NBA where you blink and one day Durant is on the Nets and the next day he's with Bradley Beal in Phoenix, but it's moving faster than it ever has. So I'd like to tuck that debate in and turn the lights out. Andrew Barry has been putting in work. There's no doubt about it. Andrew Barry's doing everything in his power to get this roster better. And the idea that it would... I don't know, even rake of desperation or the idea that they have to go after DeAndre Hopkins in order to solidify to the fan base that they're going all in. I just, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And tell me if I'm wrong. 216474 0092. Does it feel like Andrew Barry has done enough this offseason to show that he's going all in? And I know some of you guys are Ralphie wanting the BB gun and getting the pink bunny suit. I get it. You guys wanted a combination of Hopkins mixed with Adam Thielen, enough defensive linemen to make your head spin. But there were enough moves for me where I feel like they've already satisfied that obligation to themselves. I've told you guys once. I've told you guys a million times. The GM of any team. Not just the Browns, not just Andrew Barry, but GMs across the league. What they do should have no bearing on what happens within a fan base. Your line of thinking is not their line of thinking is my point. What you guys want to see happen is not necessarily what's best for them. And you'd think to yourself, oh, but isn't isn't everyone playing with the same goal? No, this is why I've broken this down a million times before. Some GMs are just here for a long time. They're not here for a good time. They're here for a long time. That's, that's their main goal. If they can go for seven years and win one playoff game, they would gladly take that over the guy that wins 11 playoff or 11 games a year two playoff games, and is out after two seasons because he won 11 in the first year and then uh, disappointed in year two, and then they're like, all right, uh, hit bricks. Like Ultimately, if you're Kevin Safansky, if you're Andrew Barry, based off of the moves we've seen this offseason, I don't know how you turn around and look at this as if you didn't give it your all. If I'm Barry or Stefanski, do I feel like I gave myself a legit chance to compete this year based off of the acquisitions made? I'd say definitely. And if they both got fired, I feel like they'd have to accept it, and they wouldn't look at themselves like they left something on the table, like they could have gone harder, or they had more in the reserves to tap into. You now, if I got fired tomorrow from this radio show, I'd be like, all right. Left it all on the table. Feel good about what I did. Feel good about the approach I had on it. Feel good about the night in, night out. Worked hard on this show. Feel good about that. Nothing. I wouldn't feel bad about it. One iota. Wouldn't be like, oh, I wish I would have done this a little bit different. Or, oh, man, could have really helped me out if I would have done this a little bit different. No. No, I feel good about it. I think ultimately that's what you have to go for in life. I feel like at the end of the day, you do you feel like you gave it your all? Do you feel like you left it all out there? Do you feel like at the end of this, you did everything in your power? If Andrew Barry would have got fired last offseason, let's say, okay, I don't think he would have felt that way in the slightest bit. I think he would have felt like, wait, I was I was named the youngest GM in football. I didn't. First off, you probably think I didn't get enough time. 
But he'd also probably think to himself, I let Joe Wood stay a little bit too long. There were all sorts of mistakes I made in acquisitions defensively. There's all sorts of mistakes I made. Gave out some big contracts. Going to a tight end that will not be named. Okay, fine, I'll name it Austin Hooper. I don't know why I was acting like he's like Voldemort or something. I think that's an accurate Harry Potter reference, but I'm not entirely sure. Only thing I know about Harry Potter is that Dobby dies, and I'm not supposed to tell people that if they haven't seen the series. That's the only thing I know about Harry Potter. Please don't at me and say I spoiled it for you. It's been around for two decades. It's made a trillion dollars. You're not, if you haven't seen it yet, you're not getting to it. But you can't walk around acting like Andrew Barry hasn't pushed it all in. You can't act around. I don't know what more he can do. I simply don't. And I know Ross will tell you, go out and get DeAndre Hopkins. That would be doing more. If he doesn't land DeAndre Hopkins, I feel like there's a good reason for that. Because he is playing with that vantage point. That's why it's one of my favorite points. He's playing with that vantage of, you don't have to pick up the tab if you swipe the old credit card. You just don't have, it's not how it works. If you swipe the credit card and you make the payment for one DeAndre Hopkins, you don't even put it on layaway. You just make one swipe, one big payment. If it doesn't work out and Deshaun Watson is doo-doo and everyone else just kind of is my, you know, man and, and blase, guess what? You're out of a job. You don't have to pay for that. Kind of like what the Saints have been doing for a few years now. They just keep swiping the credit card, swiping the credit card. At some point, the bill's going to come due, but it's not for that regime. Not how it works. So I think Andrew Barry is from an, it's just an interesting situation that he has himself in. He's at that point where he legitimately can basically do whatever move he wants. And this last offseason, I really do believe it, this current offseason, I really do believe that he's made the moves that he has believed in the best interest of not only the Browns, but also the best interest of keeping his job. I mean, he called in favors, did he not? Think about what happened in Minnesota. Okay, they clearly had to make moves within their network of hombres to finish this thing off. Look at the Zadarius Smith move, not even the Tomlinson move, the Zadarius Smith move. That's what I want to focus on for a second, okay? CBS Sports Radio a couple weeks ago, I did a whole long thing about how the Vikings were doing what is being dubbed a competitive rebuild, okay? Selling off a bunch of their pieces. They went 13-4 and last year, and they got rid of Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Zadarius Smith, who they'd only signed last year, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, he came here. And then next to go could be Daniil Hunter. Someone leaked out the Vikings were getting calls for him, right? And I thought it was a little odd, given that they had the second-best record in the NFC, and they they went down this road. But for the first time since Obama's first term in office, they didn't have to take on Aaron Rodgers, and they still went down this road. And Quesio Dofomenso, when asked about it, at the Combine about Kirk Cousins was like, yeah, we don't have Patrick Mahomes. You're like, oh, light bulb. There it is. That's why they can do a competitive rebuild. He doesn't think he's got anyone that's good at quarterback. So he's going to go 13-4 and and then tear this thing down, not to the studs, but tear this thing down enough where then they go, I don't know, 7-9, and something like that this upcoming year. And then they slowly but surely then try to pick up some of the pieces. They get draft capital. They do everything. But think about what happened with Zadarius Smith and, and then Quesio Dofomensa. He came from the Browns. You telling me that wasn't a, a one hand washing the other scenario? Andrew Barry, you can make a legitimate case, helped get Quesiodofa Mensa that job in Minnesota. 
based off of the workings that happened in Cleveland and based off the connection here. Help get him that gig in my estimation. So it's not a crazy reach to suggest that the two of the biggest offseason acquisitions and the one you got for pennies on the dollar in Zadarius Smith, who last year for the first half of the season was one of the best edge rushers at getting to the quarterback, one of the best sack artists the game had in the first half of the last year. You telling me there wasn't something? Wasn't something there? Andrew Barry didn't call up a couple favors there. I'll go to my grave believing something happened there. As if Quesio Dofamensa said, all right, I got you this time. I'm going to remember this one. This is, a, this is a thank you present. Some people send out edible arrangements. This is my thank you present for helping me get the job. And you know what? A couple years down the line, I'm going to ask for that favor back in return. And Andrew Barry's like, yeah, definitely. Because I, I might not be a GM three years from now. I need it as soon as I possibly can. So I feel like he's doing everything he possibly can. I really do. But the idea out there that he's not is just maddening to me. And the idea out there that DeAndre Hopkins is going to make or break whether or not the Browns have some sort of all-in offseason, I just I can't buy into that one either. 216-474-0092. Does it feel like Andrew Barry's done enough this offseason to show that he's going all-in? You'll hear from Ross Tucker, and we'll continue on this path. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you guys on The Fan. Back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could be with me here on this Tuesday. Yeah, it was a weird, like a, a little bit of an epiphany almost. Yeah, because I've been the guy that has made sure we kind of hammer home the point that if you're gonna you're gonna play the game, you might as well play the game with intensity. You might as well push all the chips in the middle of the table. And I, it's funny, I was thinking about Mike McDermott and Rounders. Right, Mike McDermott and Rounders. Everyone always talks about that scene where he goes up against Teddy KGB and he beats him. And then he gets his, you know, three stacks of high society so that he can go off to Vegas. And I was thinking about it. And I'm like, why? Nobody ever brings up legitimately the earliest part of the movie, the part of the movie that has him then riding in Kanisha's truck in order to make money. The part where he goes completely broke trying to take on Teddy, K, uh, Teddy KGB. Really, all he does in that movie is get the money that he lost to Teddy KGB back and then a little bit more, but in the meanwhile, he just lost his fiance in the process. As another, another one of these movies, I got to go back and revisit in my head. It's like White Men Can't Jump. We did that one a couple weeks ago where I rewatched White Men Can't Jump. Turns out that movie is awesome for a 15-year-old degenerate gambler, which I once was, not as awesome for a 34-year-old with a mortgage and a wife and a kid. I actually just watched that movie like last week. Which one? White Man uh, Can't Rounders, Jump? Rounders. Rounders. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I mean, I'm a huge fan wow. of Matt Damon, and Ed Norton is great in it as well. Worm does. It legitimately is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I think it holds up. There's no well, the lines hold up, the actual scenes hold up, everything down to. It's funny, like when when I still refer to you know I got I've. Grandma and Grandpa now, right? That's I've Grandma and Grandpa. And I grandpa. think of, I think of Grandma. That's the first person I say Grandma. I don't necessarily think of either one of Charlotte's grandmas initially off the bat. I think of Grandma from Rounders. That that tells you how much I love that movie. I can't get that big dude's face out of my out of my mind anytime I say Grandma. Can I just say what a nickname, by the way? What Fantastic. a name to go by. Fantastic. Grandma. What's up, Grandma? It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of badass, all things considered. It really is. It's He's kind a of, pimp, for lack of a better term. Well, that right. is that is for lack of a better term. But, yeah, I mean, well, you know, we bought up all the money that uh, that he ended up. And it's, we're, not re, we're not redoing Rounders right now. This is not the rewatchables. 
The whole point, though, and this is why maybe at some point we will have to redo that movie. The part that kind of destroys me is that he loses his fiance in the process, but he'd never been happier. But you can make a legitimate argument that the part of the movie that people miss out is that they think that Mike McDermott in rolling up against Tay DKGB is the first time he ever pushed his chips in all in in the middle of the table. It's not the first time. The first time is when he lost the three stacks of high society in the very beginning of the movie. It's also beautiful how he recreates what Johnny Chan does. Like you see him uh, watching, rewatching that championship over and over of Johnny Chan. Yeah. Uh, getting him to bluff or calling him on his bluff. And then you see it reenacted in the final scene. I, I think it's kind of like recreated as Matt Damon's own version. It's just beautiful. It's art. Well, in the Atlantic City scene with Johnny Chan, too, I mean, he had to, he had to sit down. He bluffed him out. He had to do it because he had to know. He had to know whether or not he could sit down at that table. I love it. There's so much. We're going to have a long discussion in between the break about Rounders or maybe the 11 o'clock hour. I'm not sure which yet. Love that movie. But the point is, is that there's multiple times in that movie where he goes all in. There's multiple points. Everyone remembers the final point because that's what ended up having him go to Vegas. But there are multiple points where he pushes all the chips in the middle of the table. And if you're Andrew Barry, there's going to be multiple times within your GM position here that you push all the chips in the middle of the table. That's the rea- the true reality is is that when you're playing the high wire stakes game that Andrew Barry is currently playing, where he's he's playing season by season until further until further addressed otherwise, every single off season he's got to be making these moves, every single one. This off season, I don't think Andrew Barry is going to need a lot of melatonin to go to sleep, is what I'm getting at here. I don't think he's going to need a lot of help getting to sleep, wondering whether or not he gave this Browns team a legitimate chance to make a dent into the AFC. I don't think he will. I think based off of the moves he's done with Thornhill fixing the defensive line so you don't have a situation like he had in that Atlanta game where Arthur Smith just ran 14 straight times because he knew that there was no stopping his run game. I mean, he had dudes that uh, might as well be accountants today. I have no idea what they're up to. He's got seven baristas playing running back for him, and they were running all over the Browns. That's not going to happen this year. You're not going to have that situation. Got guys like Elijah Moore. Got a bunch of different wide receivers in the mix. And I'm sorry that it's not Adam Thielen for you guys. I'm sorry that it's not DeAndre Hopkins for you guys. I just don't look at what he's done this offseason and think, boy, he could have done more. So Ross Tucker was on earlier today, and I was a little surprised to hear this. I like Ross. Hello, Any dudes. Time is situation. Not yet. Later, dudes. I did the hello, dudes. I meant later, dudes. So Ross Tucker, earlier today, Ken and Anthony, this is what he said. Any time a situation comes up like this, the most likely scenario is that the team that is willing to do the most to get the player, a.k.a. the Jets, trading what they did to get Aaron Rodgers is because that is in the inherent self-interest of the people making the decisions. In New York, it's year three for Salah. It's year five for Joe Douglas. If they don't make the playoffs this year, Woody Johnson's going to clean house. So Joe Douglas and Robert Salah overpaid for Rodgers. I mean, I I can't believe that trade and the money he's getting. But guess what? The Jets are probably going to make the playoffs this year. And then Joe Douglas and Salah will both get fat new five-year extensions for millions of dollars. And they'll worry about next year's first-round pick next year after they're both doubly as rich as they are. If you're the Browns and you are 
Andrew Barry, and you are Kevin Stefanski, and you're coming off back-to-back losing seasons. You just gave up all of this money and draft picks for Deshaun Watson. Like, Jimmy Haslam's not a patient guy. If the Browns don't make the playoffs or at least get double-digit wins this year, those guys are both probably gone. They have to make it work. They're in a tough division. And, yeah, I think Peoples-Jones is pretty good. I don't think he's as good as Hopkins. Elijah Moore is kind of an unknown. And Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins really like each other, and they work well together. And you're clearly a better team if you have Hopkins than if you don't. And you have the salary cap space. I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski will push hard to make this happen, to make it work so that they make the playoffs, so that Haslam gives them new contract extensions. And if they gave up too much money for DeAndre Hopkins, who cares? It's not their money. It's Jimmy Haslam's money. It's one of my favorite points, but I feel like it's a point that we don't need to make for this Browns regime. I love living with the idea that you just you do everything you possibly can, no stone unturned, all this other stuff, right? I loved it. I think it's part of what had me gravitating so much to the DeAndre Hopkins storyline. It's like, well, if the Browns pull this off, oh, boy, they're really going for it, aren't they? You don't need DeAndre Hopkins to be going for it, in my estimation. And I don't think Andrew Barry is looking at it with this offseason saying, if we don't land DeAndre Hopkins, I didn't do enough. I, I didn't do as much as I possibly could have in order to make sure that this Browns team can be as good as Jonathan Peel in a 92-3 The Fan says it is. Dude had him picked for 11 games after the, and playing the schedule game. I mean, was he banana land or was he onto something? I think I might have been onto something. 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I'm at Jay Peterlin. Question is simple. Does it feel like Andrew Barry's done enough this offseason to show that he's going all in? I know some of you guys will answer and say, well, no, all in is DeAndre Hopkins. Because DeAndre Hopkins makes you, if you can just say 1% better, then you want to make sure you're that 1% better. It's why I've said I don't believe that the Browns are 100% done with the DeAndre Hopkins discussions. We don't talk about it as much right now because the damn thing's been going on for 30 days. It's been going on for four, it's been at least three, four weeks. Got to be at least three, four weeks with DeAndre Hopkins discussion. So at some point you just got to say uncle and then we'll see when this whole thing wraps up. Plus it does feel like DeAndre Hopkins loves the recruiting aspect of all this. Just about as much as any diva wide receiver would. You can tell that man loves the fact that people are talking about him daily, that all sorts of cities are doing sorts of different discussions about him, that anytime you turn on the radio or the TV, it's people talking about Stephon Diggs in a fight with Buffalo that that's in many estimations started because they feel like Stephon Diggs gave Buffalo a discount in order to go out and get someone like DeAndre Hopkins, and then they're just sitting on his pile of cash that he gave up. A lot there. There's a lot there, guys. But with the Browns, if I'm Andrew Barry and I'm Kevin Stefanski, I just feel like you can sleep easy. I, I feel like you can know that you've made enough of the moves and enough of the adjustments in order to put out a competitive team in this AFC that is going to be a murderer's row. Barry knows he can just keep swiping that credit card. And if it doesn't work out, he won't be stuck footing the bill. So ask yourself this. Why isn't he swiping that credit card? If he knows that at the end of it, if this is how it goes out because Deshaun Watson isn't awesome, but you paid DeAndre Hopkins $15 million, he knows that. You guys know that. Well, and there's got to be a reason why he hasn't swiped that card yet. There's got to be a reason why he hasn't gone up to DeAndre Hopkins 
done that scene from uh it's it's fittingly uh, called blank check remember the disney movie blank check i think he wrote down a million dollars in that blank check movie remember when that movie came out I was maybe like nine years old, and I remember that little kid writing a million dollars on there and then all the things he bought with a million dollars, and that's probably how I became convinced that having a million dollars might as well be like having a billion. Now we have shows like Secession where they tell you if you have five million dollars, it's like being the poorest rich person, and it's basically hell. I mean, uh, the yeah, the, the dollars, it's turned on us, hasn't it? But he could basically do that for DeAndre Hopkins if he truly, truly wanted him. I don't think he truly wants him, but that's a different story for a different time. The focus is is that I believe he thinks he's done as much as he possibly can this offseason. And I would ask you guys this. What more did you honestly expect? He filled all the holes we had projected out. You want to really nitpick it? Maybe we could talk about another linebacker, but that would be really, really getting down to the nitty-gritty. And there's no perfect team out there. But he gave Deshaun Watson 13 different wide receivers Deshaun Watson, you go figure it out. You'll figure out which ones you you like and don't like. You still have Nick Chubb. He didn't get rid of him, didn't touch him. You have what Pro Football Focus has called three days ago the second-best offensive line in all of the NFL. There's a lot of really good parts to this team, and I feel like Andrew Barry has done his job this offseason to the point where when we talk to people like Daryl, and we'll talk to Daryl a little bit later on in the program, but when we talk to people like Daryl, it's like, well, Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat. Is Andrew Barry on the hot seat? And Daryl's maintained this entire time. Andrew Barry's had, had such a home run of an offseason, he's not going anywhere. They could absolutely stink and bottom out. And Deshaun Watson could flail. And he's convinced that Andrew Barry has done enough in his mind. So I want to hear from you guys. 216-474-0092. You heard what Ross said right there. Are the Browns doing everything they can to win this season? Or do they need to go that little bit further to convince you guys that this is a team that can compete in the AFC? 216-474-0092. Your phone calls and more next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on The Fan. All righty, coming up in about 20 minutes, I'm going to have to do a just an evaluation. We're going to get to the Ravens, and we'll get to more with football I got to do an evaluation on white men can't jump versus rounders and whether or not I just loved all of these movies because I was a 15-year-old degenerate and now as a 34-year-old with a kid and a mortgage and a wife, I just look at these things in a completely different lens. We'll do that coming up in 20 minutes. It's not a great revelation for me. I wish it didn't happen. Some part of teenage me, though, really was a degenerate. They're, they're, like 15-year-old me was basically 45-year-old with a gambling addiction and a problem. But I was 15, so nobody ever said anything. I was 15. People just thought it would it would come and pass. And turns out, it did come and pass. It's kind of like those people that never drink. There's never drink. You guys know them, right? They don't drink at all, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they even go through their adult life, the majority of it, and they have kids, and they just they just don't drink. They don't party. They don't do much of that stuff. And then like 40 hits or 45 hits, they wake up one day. All of a sudden, before you know it, they're just a bunch of booze hounds. They just they they love wine, they love hanging out, they love drinking. You're like, where did this come from? Oh, that's right. They got none of it out of their system early. As opposed to people like me that were complete booze hounds and degenerates at early, early, early on in life. And then you wake up and you're 34 and you're like, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. We'll explore all that coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, we're talking about Ross Tucker's comments earlier today on with Ken and Anthony. 
And listen, I'm not painting Andrew Barry as Rick James on a couch. You know, just don't care. I, I hope I'm painting him the right way. I think he's doing everything he can to make this Browns team a winner. And I'm at the point where I won't use Hopkins as the barometer as to whether or not he's pushing all the chips in. Are you a better team if you bring him in? I don't think a single person can say that they aren't. But there's something about Andrew Barry that won't let himself make that deal if he's overpaying. Maybe it's the fact that he'd be looking desperate if he paid a receiver that's worth $10 million, let's say $15 million. And for him, it's not about being the 1% better. It's about the idea that he can't let himself overpay for anything. Wouldn't surprise me if he only shops at like Costco or Sam's Club. The man likes himself a deal. Clearly he does. Darius Smith was a lot for him. Tomlinson was a lot for him. But you know what I mean. He's not going to let himself overpay. And he's not the type of person that would leave a mess for somebody else. Me and him fundamentally disagree on the leaving a mess for other people logic. But it's noble of him if that's how this is going to go down. Let's also be honest, if he did get fired, it'd still be a mess regardless, though, because of Deshaun Watson and that contract. Really quickly, if Deshaun Watson doesn't work out this year, and it in turn has Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry fired, they might have a hard time offering that job to Michael Bohm. Hey, they might have a hard time finding anyone to take that job with Deshaun Watson completing 58% of his passes and has three more years left being paid an exorbitant amount of money. You'd be setting yourself up to lose. You'd be setting yourself up to fail. At that point, they might as well just promote Deep Podesta or something like that and say this is the penance you have to take for leading us down this path. You have to you have to take the GM role. You got to leave your your estate in San Diego. You got to come fly in and this is your punishment. Some people say 10 Hail Marys. You, you got to go ahead. You got to come in here and be the GM of this football team because we're on a losing path and it's not going to be anywhere close to being fixed overnight. Oh, I don't even want to think about that, though. I don't want to think about that. As of right now, I push back on Ross's take that DeAndre Hopkins would be them showing that they're all in. I don't believe that to be true. What I believe to be true is that Andrew Barry has already shown you guys what all in looks like. There are multiple levels to all in, though. And you can go multiple times where you push all the chips in the middle of the table. And I think you can even do that in the same offseason. Like right now, I'm considering him all in. Yet I do understand that if he were to go for DeAndre Hopkins, it would just accentuate that. But like we talked about with Mike McDermott, sometimes you have to go all in multiple times. The movie Rounders, you have to go all in multiple times in order to see some of the payoffs. It's not like this idea that you can only push it once. He's called up favors. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa came from Cleveland over to the Vikings in charge of Minnesota right now. They're going through this weird competitive rebuild thing where they got rid of Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen and Zedarius Smith and Eric Kendricks and Patrick Peterson and Dalvin Tomlinson after winning 13 games, a nice competitive rebuild for the fan base. And he called them up, and clearly that's why we got two of their guys this offseason. Two of their guys. I don't know. It seemed a little too fishy for me. It seemed a little bit like one hand washes the other there. So I feel like Andrew Barry's calling in the favors. I feel like he's doing everything that he possibly can. And I'm not going to look back on this and say, but he didn't do X, Y, and Z if Deshaun Watson doesn't work out. At this point, I feel like a lot of the conversations we have kind of veers back into this territory. But at this point, if Deshaun Watson doesn't work out, sorry, you have enough weapons. You have enough pieces. I'm going to be like the parent 
of the six-year-old that you buy a lot of Legos for and then comes to you and is like, hey, I want more Legos. You're like, no, you have 12 different Lego cars. You don't need 13. You're going to be fine. You want to build your own racetrack? That's okay. Build the racetrack, but you're going to deal with what you got to deal with. I watch a lot of Lego uh, stuff right now. My mom is really into Lego. She's one of the adult Lego people. I know you guys have heard about these adult Lego people. It's like it's very relaxing. It's very calming. She likes it a ton. So she got me watching some of these, like, YouTube videos on it. I'm not going to become an adult Lego person because I wasn't much of a kid Lego person, oddly enough. But I do think they're fun and interesting. I kind of I dig it. I would never judge an adult Lego person is what I'm saying, mainly because my mom is one of them, and I would never judge my mom. So we're all good here, Lego adult Lego people. But ultimately, whether it's... The Browns, whether it's any other franchise in the NFL, I think ultimately you have to turn around and look your 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 fans in the face and be able to say we we did our best as we possibly could this offseason. And I have no problems. If Andrew Barry stands up at that podium and says that, I'm not thinking to myself, you bold-faced liar. I'm not thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, why is he, why is he spitting in my face right now with these half-truths? He can't possibly believe that when he goes to sleep at night. I don't believe that to be true. I really don't. Again, Ross Tucker on earlier today talking about DeAndre Hopkins and talking about this deal. We'll get into the Hopkins side of this in a second. Uh, I just, I, I just fundamentally disagree, even though it's one of my favorite points because I love making this points for other teams. I love it. I love being able to say you need to do everything you possibly can. In this instance, it doesn't apply to me because I feel like the Browns have done everything they possibly can. Maybe the disparity is how he uh, perceives this receiving group relative to how I perceive the receiving group. Anytime a situation comes up like this, the most likely scenario is that the team that is willing to do the most to get the player, a.k.a. the Jets, trading what they did to get Aaron Rodgers, is because that is in the inherent self-interest of the people making the decisions. In New York, it's year three for Salah. It's year five for Joe Douglas. If they don't make the playoffs this year, Woody Johnson's going to clean house. So Joe Douglas and Robert Sala overpaid for Rodgers. I mean, I, I can't believe that trade and the money he's getting. But guess what? The Jets are probably going to make the playoffs this year. And then Joe Douglas and Sala will both get fat new five-year extensions for millions of dollars. And they'll worry about next year's first-round pick next year after they're both doubly as rich as they are. If you're the Browns and you are... Andrew Barry, and you are Kevin Stefanski, and you're coming off back-to-back losing seasons. You just gave up all of this money and draft picks for Deshaun Watson. Like, Jimmy Haslam's not a patient guy. If the Browns don't make the playoffs or at least get double-digit wins this year, those guys are both probably gone. They have to make it work. They're in a tough division. And, yeah, I think Peoples Jones is pretty good. I don't think he's as good as Hopkins. Elijah Moore is kind of an unknown. And Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins really like each other, and they work well together. And you're clearly a better team if you have Hopkins than if you don't. And you have the salary cap space. I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski will push hard to make this happen, to make it work, so that they make the playoffs, so that Haslam gives them new contract extensions. And if they gave up too much money for DeAndre Hopkins, who cares? It's not their money. It's Jimmy Haslam's money. I do agree with the last point 100%. Who cares? It's not their money. Not their money. I, now I'm, I'm going to go down the road of the Ken and Lima promo. It's not their money. I, I'm almost doing the chant. But for real, it isn't their money. And I understand that completely. But I don't. 
I don't feel like Andrew Barry would have gotten this uh, together this collection of 13 different wide receivers if he was then going to go and turn around and overpay for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if Hopkins falls into your lap, that's a different scenario. You know, if Hopkins' value completely bottoms out and you can get him for pennies on the dollar, maybe kind of like grandma and rounders. You get him for pennies on the dollar. You buy up Mike McDermott's debt. Or actually, it, was, uh, it wasn't Mike McDermott's uh, debt there. It was Worm's debt. That he bought up for pennies on the dollar. Not a lot of faith in the betting community is what grandma says there. But you, you, if you can do that, if you can buy them up for pennies on the dollar, then maybe, maybe it is worth it to you because you would get that 1% better. But I just look at this with Andrew Barry and I just, I, I feel like he thinks he's done enough and I tend to agree with him. If I can sit here and tell you that I think this is an 11 win team and this juggernaut of an AFC, then yes, I feel like he's done his job. When you get to 11 wins, you are basically leaving it up to the stars at that point. You're like, all right, we we have done enough. I've done my job. I've taken this team from what was a seven-win team last year, increased them by four games, go out there and prove me right. Now, if I was sitting here as a sports talk host telling you guys that I thought they improved from seven to maybe eight wins to maybe nine wins if everything breaks right, then we got a different story. Then I would say, yeah, Andrew Barry's got to do his job a little bit better. I have met 11 wins. And I know relative to the rest of the league, their schedule is a little bit easier than a lot of the rest of the league. So maybe that plays into it a little bit. But 11 wins, four-win jump, can't ask for much more in an offseason. I know all of us would sign on the dotted line for 11 wins right now. I don't think Andrew Barry is thinking to himself, like, yeah, well, if only I can get to 12 now. I can't even give them the pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered line here because it wouldn't even be about being greedy. It would just be about making sense. Too many wide receivers. He's got too many people in here. Unless the price tag bottoms out, I don't see it happening. We'll continue on with some of what Ross had to say. we got to dissect rounders versus white men can't jump and what truly happened in my childhood. We'll do that when we come on back. Uh, but also, can Lamar be a passing quarterback? Does that offense actually work for Baltimore? What does it do for the rest of the AFC North? We'll do it all next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin.